Welcome to show 141, Herb Lab. Today's show is brought to you by Sierra Lupe Consulting. Sierra Lupe Herbal Consulting is done by me. I'm a clinical herbalist and I have been since 2016. I do in-home and distance consultations in conjunction with existing diagnosis and or medication. You can contact me, Sue, at thepracticalherbalist.com or check out my Facebook page. Hunter Creation, graphic design and website designers, putting your ideas into reality. Call them for everything from uh, business cards, brochures, to websites. HunterCreation.com. Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical is a free street reach inter- integrated. That's, that's the word. Yes, I got it right. Integrated health uh, clinic, and we operate... Uh, we've been operating since October of 2012. We are a 501c3 um, organization, and you can check us out at www.occupy-medical.org. And Ace High Heat Graphics, custom-printed T-shirts, pants, hats, you name it, they can put a logo on it. Contact them at acehighheatgraphics.com. And the – oh, get healthy. Get healthy now with Candice. Candice offers herbal consultation for folks near and far. If you want to make herbs a part of your healthcare path, contact her at gethealthynowwithcandice.com. Check out her wonderful new graphic. Yeah. Because I saw your graphic, Candice, and I was very impressed. <laughs> oh, you mean the new logo? The new logo. The logo. The lo- yes. Yeah, the, logo. With the, yes. the bowl with the hands. I, like I've got to give so the cool. kudos to Patrick on that. Yeah, good definitely. job. What Thanks. a team. Thanks. <laughs> and the Herbal Nerd Society. The Herbal Nerd Society is a collective. Yeah. Membership collective. It's a brain trust. A brain trust of really cool people. <laughs> Yeah, exclusive membership. People pay four ninety nine a month, or they can pay fifty dollars for the year, and you get exclusive articles and the Let's Talk series, which is with our mm-hmm. podcast hosts or guests, and uh, you get access to all of the podcasts that we've ever put out. So you might notice in our little mailings, we've had a little piece that suggests for the um, Herbal Nerd Society members. And that's that's y'all. If you join us, you will be helping sponsor us at Real Liberalism Radio and the Practical Libris. It's a wonderful way to sponsor us and help us keep doing our work. You also get ad-free content. And if you buy the year, you save. You get two months free. So great way to save some money. Mm-hmm. And we do appreciate your help. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. A couple of events coming up, Sue. Yeah. Well, I, I, got, I got a busy day. June 9th. At 10 a.m. at Mount Pisgah Arboretum here in Eugene, Oregon, I will be giving a medicinal herb walk. And for members of the Pisgah Arboretum, that walk is free. And get ready for this staggering price. If you're not a member, you have to pay $5. <laughs> so it's 10 to noon, and I I have a – it's by the river. It's riparian area, and there's no big hills, so – um, it's it's an easy walk for folks and family friendly. I, I'm very good at taking out the swearing. So at uh, 1.30 p.m. again in Eugene at the Down to Earth store, which is on 5th, I will be teaching a class called Grow Your Own Herbal First Aid Kit. And um, I, for God's sakes, I don't even know if that one's, I think that one's free. Uh, but you'll meet me out in the garden area. There's a little pavilion that they put up for that. So meet me there, learn about herbs. 
All right. Well, today's show is um, show 141, The Herb Lab on um, Plants for Protection and Grief with Ashley Latecki Ambas. Uh, so, without any further ado, now here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Radio. Hey, Aha. Sue. That was yeah. an awesome discussion last night or last time, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was nice to have uh, Ashley back and talking about that topic, which can be pretty difficult. Yeah, I always love talking to her because she's so easy to talk to, despite the fact that that was a pretty intense topic we were covering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we handled it in a very jovial way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. But it, I think that every person who is in the healing tradition has had to deal with that. And just you're going to have to deal with that in, in life in general. So I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people got a lot out of that. And she had quite um, – she had a couple of herbs that I was kind of surprised by that she brought up. Like I don't work with ghost pipe at all. Right, yeah. That's not one that I've worked with that I didn't do. yeah. But I know that for the northern climes, it's, you know, in, in forested areas all mm-hmm. over. And it's it's a delicate plant. And if I got it donated, I would probably use it. But I'm pretty careful about that one because I know that in some areas it's yeah. it's not been harvested well. So right. I'm, always, I'm always concerned about that. I'm sure she has a good source. That's what, probably why she mentioned that. What were right. some of the herbs that just kind of when she said it, you went, oh, yes, obviously that's the herb for me. Oh, yeah, like hawthorn. That's hawthorn. one that I've used many times mm-hmm. for heart heart health, but also heart health, you know, for um, emotional health. Yeah, I know that you, in for Herbal Nerd Society members, had a really great article about using hawthorn for grief. Yeah. Yeah, and I... I yeah, it's, I, it's a powerful herb. Yeah, uh, Paul Bergner has a great recipe that he uses hawthorn and uh, rose. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also puts devil's club in that one. Mm-hmm. It, those are all thorny plants. Yeah. And he's using that for people that are basically dealing with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that help people that have a lot of grief issues often have issues with their blood pressure as well. So I always think right. hawthorn for blood pressure, but the, um, just the nutrition in that formula, it's mm-hmm. it's very, very nutritive, and people going through grief are often really just depleted. Yeah, and it's hard to absorb nutrition when you're grieving. It's true. I mean, even if you're eating plenty, it's just hard for your body to absorb it properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the stress will kind of shut down your digestive system, and people yeah. will notice that in their bowel movements, and also they just feel like their stomach is tied up in knots all the time. And- yeah swallowing your grief you still have to go to work for a lot of folks or deal with your kids or whatever and yeah. you know a lot of us don't get time to express that in a in a safe place so sure not gonna not gonna be able to do that and feel safe in the break room right <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah and it pops up I mean grieving is a process that can take many months or years even you know I mean there were times where I would speak to my grandmothers who both lost their husbands when they were in their 80s, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And then they both went on to live well into their, well, 100 and the other into her 90s. Mm-hmm. So they lived for quite a long while without their husbands. And even, you know, in their latter years, they were still felt grief for having 
lost them. Yeah. So, I mean, it's something that can pop up at any time. Yeah, it's true. In weird ways, I know that when I've done talks in front of large classes, in fact, just recently, oh my goodness, just some of the stress of working in a clinic and seeing people go through really, really difficult things, you know, for some of the folks, uh, I'll just give the specific example rather than go into generalities. There's one patient in particular that I was thinking of when someone asked, like I was, I was great. I was super professional through the entire talk. And at the very end, the person asked, well, can you give me an example of someone that has schizophrenia? That was one of your patients that you put them through this protocol and it helped them. I was like, and I thought of this person immediately. Mm -hmm. So I started telling the story of it, but I'd been working with this patient for five years. Right. And oftentimes I'm seeing her every single week and she's really pouring out her heart. And I felt like I had a very strong relationship with her. So when I started to tell the story and then talking about the really difficult part that we were kind of walking her through and she was sharing about, I started getting teary eyed and, Mm -hmm. you know, had actual, actual tear, you know, this is a room full of strangers yeah, and they, you know, they didn't sign up for that. Right. right? (laughs) It was like, Oh, look, nose mucus. Yay. No, but (laughs) it, I I feel like I was I could go through the thing without falling apart. Right. But then having to tell the story. Right. It's well, because, you don't have that distance anymore. No, and it's probably because I mean, and especially people that I've known with schizophrenia, they have that strong energy. It's mm-hmm. really strong energy that has been locked inside of them. So when they start to tell their story and it starts to come out and you're dealing with it like you did, mm-hmm. you're taking in all of that. Yeah, that's true. Because it's like breathing. You're breathing the same air, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's not like you can't breathe the same air. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, so you're taking it in and it can get stuck if you don't properly process it out straight away. Yeah. And no matter how much we believe that we are strong and we're not affected by emotions and all of that, and we may not notice that we are, the fact is we all are mm-hmm. because we're all affected by the same the same carbon dioxide that's in the air, mm-hmm. the same oxygen that's in the air. It's the mm-hmm. same for all of us. So whether you notice it or not is irrelevant. Right. It's still going to affect you. And so when you were telling the story at that point, you were taking back out, unpacking what had been locked inside you since the time she told you. Yeah. So, and yeah. I've talked about this with, you know, there were several people that on my team that were working with her to help yeah. her through this extremely difficult situation And we'd talk to each other and and work to help, you know, this person is much better now. Right. No, of course, I still worry about her like I do all of the people that are vulnerable that I'm helping. But, man, just having to tell the story, when you're dealing with a person, you're in the moment of that time. Right. And my job isn't to think about the reflection on me or what it ties to, but when I'm talking about this is what happened, like I can see her face and I can see like episode, episode, episode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything is, is, it's just a flood when I'm telling that story. And it seems like it's, here comes the grief for her. Yeah. No, yeah. just feeling so bad that she felt bad. Mm-hmm. And man, it, I tried to, to, to 
bid that pony back into the stall, but it would not go. <laughs> well, and it's better that you don't. It's better to let it out and let it flow. Yeah. Because when you try to dam it up, mm-hmm. then you cause problems downstream. Yeah. So it's better to let the river flow as it needs to yeah. and accept it. Sometimes it's going to surge. Sure. That's I just would like to have not it been a situation in which I was being filmed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which I think, yeah. like you know, the more you go, no crying later, then the more your 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 crying self says, "Oh, you're not full of good ideas today." <laughs> you know, I think that our culture has a very unhealthy relationship with emotions, and I think we should be allowed to express them, mm-hmm. and we should, and we should, you know, crying at that time when you were telling that story was thoroughly appropriate. Mm-hmm. To not cry would have been honestly inappropriate mm. so it's better that you did well that's, that's yeah. what happened so good or bad that's what happened and the the gal that organized the um workshop it was an entire weekend she did a fabulous job orna is her name traditional roots conference if y'all ever get a chance to go to that uh she's she was sitting in the back and she pops up and she goes can i help with anything <laughs> i need a tissue so yeah. <laughs> she cool. ran out of the room and got me a tissue while i'm still talking to folks and i had this great little little thing at the end that i was going to tie it all up with and talk mm-hmm. about the video that i'd shown and the notes and the whatever and it's like it's all gone yeah but the funny the thing i thought was hilarious was this uh gal comes up and says oh it was okay that you were crying and it was uh, it was actually really good for me because you're standing up there being this quote this she actually uses the word rock star herbalist <laughs> you're so professional and then you just like fell apart and i thought oh well it affects her then it can it's okay that these things affect me like are you sure you're talking about me because that was <laughs> not the same person oh it's pretty funny people's perceptions but yeah, yeah that working with people and then of course when you have your own grief you lose someone in your life yeah. that's a Beyond them being a patient, but being a family member or a, a friend, it is odd how things will come up, mm-hmm. you know, or situations that caused trouble in your life, uh, driving by a place uh, that was problematic. And like, I've driven by this place 500 times, and now all of a sudden this time it's a problem. Right. Why is it a problem? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's... And that's when herbs can be your friend. Mm-hmm. So I'm not all about saying no, no having emotion. Emotions are fine. Yeah. You know, as long as you're not using your emotions to hurt other people or justify harm to other people. I'm having a bad day. Therefore, I'm going to punch you or whatever, or drive like a maniac or whatever. Like That's never acceptable. But it's really important to uh, kind of get in control of it if you, if you let's say you just need to kind of move on for at least for a little while and there's a couple of things that i liked if i can kind of continue dominating here um i loved it when people have the opportunity to take vitamin d and folic acid and b12 add that to their diet um, when they're going through grief and i have found great success when people are also able to add uh, 5-htp even for just a little while, mm-hmm. um, that's an amino acid supplement. And two of my favorites that I neglected to mention was holy basil and schisandra. Yeah, those are good ones. Uh, do you, you have, uh, you've got some experience with both of those herbs? A little bit. I've been using schisandra 
in recent months, not for grief specifically, mm-hmm. I've been using it more for digestive digestive balancing. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, but when you look at like Chinese theory and Ayurvedic, I think also a lot of, a lot and definitely Western traditional Western herbalism talks about grief being something that can disrupt the digestive system because it's processed. Emotions are processed, you know, through your heart. Yes. But also through your stomach mm-hmm. and your intestinal tract. So like in Chinese medicine, the heart is paired with the small intestine hmm. because in the small intestine is where you take the initial experience that's come in or the initial food that's come in and you break it down at a finer level. So you're taking it apart uh-huh. and that's where your emotion is in the same way you're taking, you have your emotional experience. That's the stomach level it's happened. And now you're taking it apart and analyzing it and keeping the stuff that makes sense and discarding what doesn't. And so, you know, from a philosophical standpoint, mm-hmm. it makes sense to me. So you know, for me, Shazandra is a digestive thing, but I could see how you could use it for someone who's dealing with grief, particularly if grief has created digestive problems for them. Yeah. You know, a lot of chronic digestive problems are rooted in emotional problems or emotional things that haven't been fully digested and integrated yeah. in people's lives. Yeah. And I know that it also helps with some circulation too. A lot of things that are mm-hmm. helps with digestion also help with circulation. Yeah. And there are so many people that they're bound up in their grief and they run into uh, tachycardia issues mm-hmm. or, you know, the, like I was saying before, their blood pressure goes up and down and yeah, that I, I, I bet it's just Sandra and Hawthorne combination would be really great for people that are. Yeah. I could see that as being a potentially good combination. Yeah. yeah. Also uh, magnesium. Did I mention magnesium already? You haven't, but magnesium oh. is something that I think pretty much everybody needs. They so. do. They do. At least in America. Yes. Everybody needs. If you're if you're eating the American diet, you definitely need it. Mm-hmm. But our soils are kind of depleted. So I question whether people that are eating the perfect vegan diet, for instance, mm-hmm. are getting enough magnesium. Just yeah. because our soils are depleted enough that I'm not sure that the plants that used to be high in magnesium are really as high as they once were. Mm-hmm. I love asking people if you've got a magnesium problem and they're not not used to eating a healthier diet, throw some cashews into your diet because they are very high in magnesium and they're a sweet right. nut. Yeah, they're sweet easy. and salty, easy, easy to, to nibble on. And yeah. like people will have little eye twitches, which is one of one of the indicators yeah. of uh, magnesium, um, low, low magnesium. People have gone in and they've had their blood work done mm-hmm. and have said, oh, I'm not low in magnesium. My blood work came out fine, which there is a difference between your serum your mag- the magnesium level for your serum mm-hmm. levels as opposed to your tissue the uh, magnesium in tissues and that would require much more complicated stuff but it's not going to do you not going to do you harm to right. have some mag- a more magnesium you really have to work really 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 hard to get yeah. too much magnesium so it's it of course when you start getting a little too much then one of the indicators would be the poops yeah <laughs> Some pretty runny poo. That's right. So they can get there, then stop. And, and, yeah. and you're fine. Get back off. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But the magnesium. Yeah, cashews are help. a good one. Um, I like I like cashews a lot. The challenge with cashews is they're high in omega-6s, which is one of the oils we have a lot of in mm-hmm. the non in the in the less healthy diet. So if someone's already on the you know fast food diet and the prepackaged diet, they've already got a ton of omega-6s they're taking in. 
So, you know, if you can get them to take leafy greens, right. like kales that have magnesium, yeah. that's better. Nettle. Huh. Um, nettle is a good one. Oat straw's got some magnesium. I yeah. like I like oat straw, nettle, and raspberry leaf paired together. Ah. Uh, now, why do you pair those together? Because the magnesium, or the, not magnesium, the mineral content for the oat straw and the nettles complements each other really nicely. Mm-hmm. And the raspberry leaf helps the digestive tract be more willing to absorb. So if you're having any issues with absorbing nutrition anyway, uh-huh. and many folks who are on the fast food diet mm-hmm. will be likely to not be absorbing as much nutrition as they could because their body's getting too much of like omega sixes and it's got some inflammation and that sort of thing. Hmm. So raspberry leaf can help to fix that. Plus it's got its own set of nutrients. Yeah. That's very, very high nutritive. uh, I noticed that with this combination that you mentioned that nettle digests quickly, mm -hmm. you know, because we have an entire tract and things kind of break down at, at certain parts. And then oat straw is more of the middle of the digestive system and raspberries at the, at the very end. So that's a, that's a really great balance. Yeah. And so a tea or tincture or? Tea is my favorite. Mm -hmm. I have done decoction with that too. There are times when I've done that. Yeah. So, I mean, mainly tea is what I aim for. But, and there are times where I've done like a cold infusion as well and let it sit for 24 hours before drinking it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes because I was lazy and I meant to do it in 12. but, (laughs) But, yeah. So are you setting so it up like a moon tea kind of thing? Yeah, I leave it on my kitchen counter, so I don't know that I'm really getting any celestial energy infused in that. But, you know, I'll just leave it on the counter for the night. And then if I remember, hopefully in the morning, I drain, you know, strain off some and drink it. Right. And if I don't, then it's, you know, lunch when I say, oh, yeah. Well, that's right. I have a <laughs> treasure right. waiting yes. for me. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like one of those things. I've had a couple of. I like doing the overnight tea thing too, mm-hmm. the, uh, an, an infusion, a yeah, cold infusion. Cold infusion, yeah. And, and yet, um, I've had a couple that I've let sit out, and they've gotten murky. Ooh, and not so good. This would this combination doesn't look like it would turn into that. I've never had that happen when I've done this. Oh, I'm a lot more neglectful than you are. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. There's a new low that you could reach here, Candace, uh, and I'm here to inspire you. All right. I'll have to welcome. keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it set out a little too long. And I think the the problem was is that it was it was a hot night or a hot day, cold night, hot day again. Mm, so yeah. that t- temperature vacillation of temperature. Yeah, yeah, way too much for it. Yeah. Huh. I'll often do it like in the crock pot for overnight, put it on low. And then let it go overnight, and then the next day, especially through the winter, when, oh, I, wa- when yeah. I want a warm drink. So you're so also it's, getting the volatile oils in the air. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, but it's it's like more of a it becomes more of a focus on the nutrition aspect of it when I do decoction, mm-hmm. and but it does get nice and strong and mm, tasty. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Huh. Well, I I wonder also. Uh, we've talked a lot about some of these herbs and some of the, can we talk, uh, just spend a few minutes talking about processing and like what, I know you've worked with a lot of people that have had some grief issues. Are there sure. some techniques for working with people that seem to help? Like, do you push at all to talk about it or don't push at all? Or what do you, what do you do when you're talking to folks about some of their grief issues? It's highly individual. Yeah. Some people 
in this session, they need, they're opening up and they need to talk and that's great. And then the next session, they're trying to avoid an issue. And I may push, depending on who the person is, I might push, I might not. I don't really, I mean, I'm not a therapist, so I'm not trying to do therapy, but I have noticed that the body gets better when you address or at least acknowledge the emotional traumas that have been there. So I've worked with people that have done loads of therapy and yet still the physical problems persist. And then we start talking and we talk about the physical problems and then inevitably the emotional traumas or whatever start to arise. Yeah. And I can see that oftentimes I'll see that the emotion's still there and that that last little piece wasn't quite finished. They didn't quite, the therapy did so much of the work, Mm -hmm. but it failed in the last moment because there was still that one little grain that was left. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I go with whatever it is that needs, I say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. Yeah. You know, I think as herbalists, we end up kind of polishing up other providers works a lot. Yeah. You know, they're they're Many of the other providers are doing a lot of the heavy hitting as Mm -hmm. it were. Yeah. You know, they're, they're stitching things up or they're mentally stitching things up for people, but we end up coming in and putting that last little shine on it. Um, addressing some of the supplements issues or something just to keep the people going through the day. Yeah. What I've noticed about herbalism is that we are a lot like, we really should be the primary care providers, not because we're primary care, but because we're the one who will take all the disintegrate or the the disparate pieces and Mm -hmm. help the person synthesize at what they're looking at. So this doctor said that, and that specialist said that, and this physical therapist said that, and the chiropractor said that, and they're doing all these different things, and none of those people are talking to each other. And then here you are sitting in my consult room, and you're telling me all these things, and I'm keeping track of that and saying, okay, how do we integrate all of this so that it's working right? What is this? You know, what does the doctor need to know? What does the chiropractor need to know? What do you need to make sure you tell your physical therapist? Mm-hmm. You know, what is your nutritionist missing that you need to know? Yeah. Yeah, very true. I, it's also great to have people have an opportunity to stitch things two together. Yeah. You know, and, and for us, we don't have that. Uh, we don't have the uh, 15 minutes only with the doctor. You know, we've got right. yeah, most we've of the time, time, it's at least an hour. That's the thing. We've, we've got longer time than almost all of the other practitioners that they're working with. Yeah. So that's part of why I feel like, okay, well, I'm like team leader, if you will. Right. Our team coordinator, the client is my, is the actual team leader, Mm -hmm. but I'm their primary. I feel like I'm not the primary. You're an advocate. Yeah. I'm the primary person that they can help help as, as part of their board of directors. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's a lot to take in. And, uh, I think that we can kind of push this, push this little piece together and say, thank you, Ashley. Yes. Thank you. For working with us in that last Uh, show 140 plants for protection and grief and i hope we'll be able to talk with her again she sure gave us a lot to think about yes now it's time for a word from our sponsor thomas easley and the journal of functional herbalism the journal of functional herbalism is a free online journal promoting the integration of traditional western herbalism clinical nutrition and functional medicine It's published by the Eclectic School of Herbal Medicine, and you can find the Journal of Functional Herbalism at functionalherbalism.com. 
Now it's time for Herbal 101, a chance for Sue and Candice to answer your herbal questions. Today's question comes from Tatiana. Her question is, can tinctures be made without alcohol? I am an alcoholic with only a few days over a year sober, and having vodka in my, my home to make tinctures is not advisable. I could buy prepared tinctures, but more than once I drank vanilla extract because it was the one thing available to me with an alcohol content. So, Sue, Candace, is there anything that can help someone with, with the problems that Tatiana is facing? Happily, there are a lot of things that can help. Yeah. And in fact, tinctures are, in the whole scope of herbalism, tinctures are a relatively new herbal invention. Hmm. They weren't used. The ancient Egyptians definitely didn't use them. I can't remember when we first began distilling alcohol, but previous to that, there were herbal beers, which were lower alcohol. Mm, Herbal wines. But but for the most part, the primary way of getting your herbs was to eat them and to drink them in soups and in teas. Mm -hmm. So Mm. most of human history, your medicine didn't actually come with alcohol. Yeah. We also want to say congratulations to you for your first year of sobriety, and mm-hmm. and may you have many anniversaries to come. Um, we actually on the Practical Herbalist site, we're really glad you asked this question because I I know there's a lot of push about the tinctures, and I love tinctures too. There's so many mm-hmm. capillaries in the mouth, and it it, it goes in fast. They're it's convenient. convenient. Yeah. It's a small way of doing it. It's portable. But yeah, there are many other options. And if you look on our Practical Herbalist site, you'll see a variety of different ways. Um, one of them being oxymills, yep. uh, which is vinegar. And I like to make mine with honey, mm-hmm. vinegar yeah. and honey. Yeah, it's, I think that's usually most people use honey. Yeah. And uh, we also have decoctions. And then, of course, teas, also known as infusions and candice. Do you want to talk about the difference between a decoction and a, a tea or an infusion? Honestly, it's really how long you cook it. Okay. So the decoctions are typically you do those, you cook them. So you're putting them on the stove or in a, at least in a, like a crock pot, mm-hmm. low to high. And you're letting it work on taking, extracting the the constituents or extracting the medicine and flavoring and whatnot from the the plant material for a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And usually it's done with things like roots and barks because they're hard to extract because they're so hard. Yeah. Um, You can do it with some plants. I've done it with things like nettle and oat straw. I bet that turned out really dark. It gets really dark and really thick. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it does. My goodness. Um, And then teas are usually done. Tea is the biggest. The teas or infusions are the ones Mm -hmm. that that's just Most hot water, know. pour over. Yeah. You're not cooking yeah. it. Yeah. Hot mm-hmm. water, pour it over. Put Preferably put something over the cup for, or pot or whatever, so that the essential oils will drop. They'll condense on the, they come up with the steam, they'll condense and they'll hopefully drop back in mm-hmm. if you put something on top of them. Right. But Yeah. You know. And uh, it's kind of a, a, a mini way of making a hydrosol, which we've made hydrosols yeah. too. That's another way to yeah. get it is you just have your herbs in a pot and then you have water uh, and you put that pot in a larger pot and you have water at the yeah. bottom there. And usually it's like elevated on a brick or something like that. And then you just heat it with, it's covered. So yeah. all those volatile oils just clunk, yeah. they collect. And that's a nice, uh, for people that are sensitive to essential oils too. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people that are sensitive to that and hydrosols you can have in a kid's room and there's, 
if you have an essential in the kid's room, you could run into, they could put that in their eye and, and ouchie. Well, yeah. And kids' respiratory systems, our respiratory systems in general don't necessarily really love strong essential oils. Right. And kids especially are going to be more sensitive. So it can cause um, stuffiness and congestion, essential mm -hmm. oils can. Yeah. And hydrosols are, are wonderfully effective. I just had, yeah. I cleaned my stairs and it was just like, I don't know, the day was... The the day itself was kind of murky mm -hmm. as like the there was too much humidity and it was oh there were some weird things happening with people emotionally so I put mm -hmm. the cucumber ah, hydrosol nice. in nice. there with my four thieves vinegar yeah and man by the time I was down to the bottom stair cleaning that I was in a good mood <laughs> you know, I bet that yeah had a great great effect on me but we also have uh, syrups and glycerites yeah and you often Candice you often put those together in the same I think of them category. as being in the same category just because they're both sweet. Mm -hmm. I mean, a syrup doesn't necessarily, like a glycerate is, I think, if I remember correctly, that's less reactive or less problematic for diabetic people. It's yeah, low, got it, a lower glycemic index right. than like sugar yeah. or honey. And it's not going to crystallize. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So for a lot of times the syrups are honey based, but it can also be agave. Right. You know, the, yeah. there's a lot of different types of sugars that they're out there in our, in the clinic that I volunteer at, we get local people donate their honey. Oh, so it's nice. Yeah. It's a really simple. And we, yeah. in our clinic, uh, and also working with, uh, I have two clinics. One is, um, it's a free clinic and it's mostly adults that come. And then the other one is with unhoused teens and I'm not giving them tinctures. No, that would be inappropriate. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and just the compliance alone would be yeah. a problem. Whereas you can make just about any herb that this, particularly a, a kid in a very volatile situation, yeah. they'll take, if there's honey in it, they'll take it. Yeah. They'll take yeah. it. And I also know people that have um, used like brown sugar to make their mm -hmm. syrups, which I've never tasted before. Yeah. And I don't know what the the consistency would be like, but I'm interested in that. Yeah. I'm, I'm more likely to use brown sugar or raw sugar than I am white just plain white granulated sugar whenever I'm making something with sugar. Usually I use honey, but, uh -huh. but yeah, I've used brown sugar before instead of, instead of honey when honey was expensive or I right. didn't have it or. Yeah. You use what you got. Reason. Yeah. You, I mean, you just make it into yeah. a simple syrup. Yeah. And I've used molasses as well. Oh yeah. Which works yeah. very nicely as a High sugar. iron too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. true. Yeah. Um, so the other one of course is capsules, which yeah. you can make at home. You get the powder cheap. Yeah, you get a cap and quick kind of thing, and yeah, I've I've heard that they are. I would I would strongly suggest that folks want to look at making their own rather than like buying capsules, just because the adulteration in herbal capsules is a little bit shocking. Yes, and the price and the price is very expensive. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you can buy really good herbal powders from sources like Mountain Rose Herbs that are good, well, sustainable. You can trust the folks there to be doing a good job on right. your quality piece. So getting and getting your own capsules and, and using their powders means you're actually getting what you think you're getting in the capsule. Yes. So we've seen true. too many of those things where people go to like the Walmart and buy their St. John's wort in a capsule. And then it's it turns out that it wasn't mm -hmm. St. John's wort. It was digitalis or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Something or grass or who knows what they put in there, yeah. you know, and <laughs> when it's powderized, you can't tell. Right. You know, unless you know your herbs really, really well, it can be very hard to tell yeah. if the powder that you're looking at and smelling and tasting is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And, and you, you can know. get the 
plant itself. You could either grow it or mm-hmm. you buy it at a farmer's market or you can buy it. Yeah. Some of them are, are easy to powder yourself in your coffee yeah. grinder. Yeah. Some of them are like, don't, don't get, if it says stone writ, do yeah. not put that in your coffee grinder unless you hate coffee grinders. Hawthorne's another one. You want to buy that Hawthorne, already yes. powderized. That's a very, yes. <laughs> so, oh my goodness, yes. That will definitely damage your grinder. It will, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's another one that um, you, you get in your hands more into the tincture yeah. making or, sorry, um, herbal medicine making. Uh, culinary? Yeah. Add it to your food. Absolutely. How hard is that? Yeah. Right? And there's all kinds of food that we have in our life. That uh, pesto and salsa, and yeah. I was just at a, a Bevan Claire had a great class that I went to last week on how to bring uh, herbs into food. Nice, just eat eat your medicine, nice. and yeah. she also had like this fudge recipe that um, she put turmeric in, and it was like nice. cocoa wow. powder and and um, I guess it was coconut oil, which of course I couldn't have, right? But turmeric and some black pepper. And nice. the person Sounds was good. a dia- diabetic and had to yeah. have a, a was forced to eat a square of that every day. <laughs> and their oh their diabetic levels, yeah. you know, the blood glucose levels really yeah. went went way down. Nice. So it effect it's, it's yeah. effective. It's very effective. Yeah. My favorite is smoothies and soups. Oh, right. Yeah. Those are both easy ones. I add. I have an herbal herbal powder mix that I add to my smoothies daily mm-hmm. that has adaptogens in it. You know, and oh, I like choose, what kind? Like ashwagandha, mm-hmm. and I think I've got a chaga in there right now. Shatavari is probably in there. I don't remember. It changes It changes as I empty the jar <laughs> that I think about what is it that I think I need, and then I refill it with the herbs I think I need. But uh-huh. it takes a while to get through it. So right now I'm on the latter half of that particular jar, so I don't remember what I exactly you what I have in there. just sticking what you need for the time. Yeah. yeah, and that's one of the really great things about – the putting in your food is it really you're it's so easy to change by the season you don't have to worry okay. to like oh i gotta finish this container because i spent 30 bucks for this two ounce bottle of tincture right it's yeah. in your food ever yeah. you know you can change it by the day depending on exactly. oh man it's allergy season so i really need more nettle yeah. and plantain and yeah very simple yeah, yeah smoothies that's another good one um topicals the skin is great at absorbing yes. many of these constituents mm-hmm. and for um, people that do foot baths. I mean, I've seen some fabulous mm-hmm. things where you put, you're um, soaking somebody, somebody's feet in, in our clinic, for example. And um, at one point we added a little bit of lavender into the foot bath and the person hadn't been paying attention. They said, what do I taste? Uh-huh, yeah. You know, they're not yeah. drinking the foot bath, but it I've gone- done that. The garlic, when I had a uh, cold, I put the garlic right. oil on my feet. Oh, yeah. And yes. then I can taste it. Yeah, 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 definitely. My mom used to put rub garlic on your feet and then put Mm -hmm. socks on. Yep. And in the morning, well, no vampires allowed. Everything tastes like garlic. Oh my goodness, it's coming out every pore. So your skin is really good at, uh, you know, we have got poultices and stuff, but it's great at absorbing. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of different options, and please do check our site for some of the different options. Maybe I'll put together like a meal chip thing about some of our options that we have, like our syrup, basic recipes that we've got, yeah. basic procedures, I should say. Yeah. So it might be a good idea if you're not already on the Practical Herbalist mailing list, you want to get on that. So go to the Practical Herbalist website and I believe we have a little box there for getting on the newsletter. 
So get on that or else the pop-up shows up. Mm -hmm. So either way, get yourself on that list. Yeah. And there's also no reason to not, if you, if you like putting salt and pepper in your stuff, Mm -hmm. then just add some of your powdered herb to a salt and pepper shaker and just shake that on your food. Yeah. You know, you think about what's in a capsule. Not that much. Right. Yeah. It's usually not a lot. Yeah. So there's got a big old bowl of food, a little shaker or something. That's, that's not Mm going to affect the taste that much. No. And actually you'll probably find that you start to like it. Right. Because even the herbs that are typically considered hideous, horrible flavors, mm-hmm. I find that when they're the ones I need, they actually don't taste that bad. Yeah, that's for sure. And also remember with our topicals, um, different um, ba- oil bases will absorb differently. Yes. I, I know that um, for some people don't do well with sesame oils. Some people have a hard time. Palm is just, that doesn't hardly absorb at all for a lot of folks, whereas other people do very, very well with almond oil or jojoba. So just try a little bit, you know, buy buy a little tiny bit and see how it absorbs with you and how it makes you feel. And that's a good oil base for putting some great herbs in there and then letting those absorb. And, And what a great way to have some right on the spot medicine. Yep. Well, thank you very much for your question, Tatiana. And again, happy anniversary. Remember, put put an herb on it. it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.